Thomas has a Bible reading for us this morning. It is Daniel chapter 6. You might like to follow along in your Bibles, grown-ups. He's going to read the entire chapter for us. It's about 28 verses, um, but it's well worth reading all of it. Thank you, brother. So the reading comes from Daniel chapter 6. Daniel in the den of the lions. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them, so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities, that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find the grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him, perhaps because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel, unless it had something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human during the next 30 days, except you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now your majesty issued the decree and put in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be repeated, repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prayed to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until the sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating or without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. 
When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and his shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave his orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the powers of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Thank you, brother. Not so much a children's story, is it? It's really a grown-up story. It's a, it's a story of, of intrigue. It's, it's, a, it's a story of, of tremendous fear and tremendous consequences for actions. Uh, Daniel is now uh, well advanced in years. That's the setting. Daniel is now an, an old man. He's got to be about 80 years of age, which in ancient times was really ancient. <laughs> Rarely did someone live to that amount of years. So Daniel is now uh, reaching the end of his life. Uh, Daniel is now uh, looking to finish well. He's looking to finish well, to finish his, his life well. And he finds himself being thrown into a lion's den for the treasonous act, for this terribly uh, corrupt act, this terribly treacherous act of simply uh, praying to his God. We're going to have a look at this uh, text. We're going to have some questions at the end. We're going to change things up a little bit this morning. We're going to allow some time for questions. So please uh, be noting them down, either mentally or scribbling them down as you go because we'll have a time for some questions at the end of the message. If you have any, as always, I can't uh, promise to give you all of the answers, but I can promise to go away and do some research and get you some. So please be thinking about if you have any questions, if you're uncertain about anything as we go, please jot it down or make a mental note, and you'll have a chance to ask your questions at the end of the message. But friends, let's pray. Uh, loving Lord, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us, and what we are not, make us. Amen. It's been about 60 years since young Daniel, the youthful Daniel, probably just a teenager, was, was taken from his homeland, stripped from his, his parents, from his home, and, and taken to live in a foreign land over in modern-day Iraq in, in Babylon. It would have been like uh, moving to another planet uh, back in those days. But 
The man has flourished over these past few weeks. We've been hearing about how he has been a loyal, he's been a loyal servant to the various kings under which he has served. Uh, kings have come and gone. Indeed, in fact, uh, entire empires have come and gone. Uh, the Babylonian Empire has now given way to the Medo-Persian Empire, but Daniel remains. His trustworthiness is above question. He is above reproach. He is one of three very senior overseers of the entire empire. And in fact, King Darius, who is now on the throne, is looking to make him emperor over, well, not emperor, looking to make him like a quasi-prime minister over, over all. So Daniel is, is a well-respected older man at this stage. So that's the first thing that I want us to see, is that Daniel was seen as a loyal servant to the city. Daniel is not some rogue. Daniel isn't some rebel that can't really be trusted. Daniel is known and respected for being someone for whom he, he adds, adds value to the city. I know that's a very sort of trendy term to use, but he adding value, but, but I think that's the first little question for us. Daniel has served uh, for 60 years over various kings and is known as someone who can be relied upon, as someone who gives wise advice, as, as someone who has the best interests of the nation, of, of the city at heart, and yet, and yet, for all of his loyalty to his king, for all of the loyalty to the city, for all of his great public works as, in effect, a, a senior public servant, for all of that, there can be no questioning where his loyalties ultimately lay. Ultimately, Daniel wasn't loyal to any king or to any city, any city. Daniel was loyal to his God. Above all, he was loyal to God, to God's law, to God's sovereignty, uh, to God's precepts, precepts and commands. And that's ultimately, which is what gets him in trouble today. Remember the other bit of context that I think it is important to know is that this is a context for the Israelites, for the Hebrews of defeat, right? They are still a conquered people. They're still living effectively in, in slavery as, as a conquered people. There were three waves of captives taken over to Babylon. Daniel was one of the first that was taken. If you were here in week one, you know that the young men, the best and the brightest, were taken at a very early stage. They've been there now for about 60 years. Think that his accent would have been almost indistinguishable from those uh, around him. But nevertheless, he is still a Hebrew. He's still somehow different. <laughs> He's still distinctive. He's still set apart. He's still somehow countercultural. He's still a, a Hebrew. But he doesn't lose his saltiness, doesn't lose his distinctiveness. Psalm 137 and 1970s disco band Boney M. Does anyone remember Boney M? What do they famously sing? By the rivers of Babylon. What was it? Where we sat down. Youngsters, don't go there. Don't look it up. But trust me, there's a 1970s, before my time, because I'm not a boomer. Before my time, there was a disco group called Boney M, and they, they reworked Psalm 137. It's a song of lament. It's a cry of anguish. It's dressed up as a disco song, but really, by the rivers of Babylon, a foreign land, 
before we sat down, I, we gave up. We hung up our harps is what they said. We sat down, we hung up our harps, we're no longer going to sing or play for we are defeated, we are done, we are giving up. How can we sing? We've been taken from home, we are a defeated, vanquished people. And they gave up. That's obviously what many of them did. They simply gave up on their God. God has been defeated. Yahweh has been defeated. His temple has been sacked. So why bother? Just bow the knee. Just bow the knee to the culture around us. Our God obviously wasn't able to save us. So why bother? We're going to sit down, hang up our harps, and not play or sing to God anymore. That's the context here. But Daniel is different. Daniel says no. We read that back in week one, in chapter one, verse eight, look it up, underline it. It sets the scene for the rest of the book. Daniel resolved not to defile himself. He said, no, I'm going to take a stand. I'm not going to defile myself. At that point, it was actually just in regards to his diet. Do you remember that he said, I'm not going to defile myself with the king's table? The king very cunningly didn't try to absorb the Israelites via brute force, but to entice them, to tempt them into taking on board Babylonian culture by giving them the best of the best. But Daniel said no. He resolved not to defile himself. The decisions that Daniel made back then are playing out now. The decision that Daniel made to resolve not to divine himself back in chapter 1 is now playing out in chapter 6. Friend, if you're not faithful in the little things, what hope have you got when you face a life-threatening situation? Decisions have consequences. Resolve now, friend. Especially if you are a younger person. Resolve this day that you are going to be different, that you are going to be set apart that you are not going to simply be assimilated, absorbed, diluted into the culture around you. We are called to be salt and light, to be distinctive, to be different. It's going to be hard. We are increasingly living in a culture that is out to make sure that you bow the knee, that you are absorbed into the culture. Daniel had his practice, we're told, to go home. Remember, he's 80 years of age. He's on his walking frame, Right? from his place of work. Remember, he's prime minister. And it was his custom, his practice, to pray in public, doors open, facing Jerusalem, to pray publicly three times a day. Think of all the pressure he must have been on to not do this. Firstly, just for his timetable. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes my life gets pretty busy and it's very easy for me to forget about prayer, right? Hands up if you've ever been in that situation. Happens to me all the time. Daniel was the prime minister. Imagine the pressure he must have been under. I don't need to worry about prayer today. I, there's other more important things. He must have been under huge pressure to simply just forget about it. To go to look, I've got better things to do today. Do you know that Martin Luther, the great reformer, famously, famously wrote that I've got so much on today that I can't possibly hope to get it done than with less than three hours prayer under my belt. So his attitude was he was too busy not to pray. Now, here's the bit where you go, I know what you're going to say, Pete. Here's the bit where the minister hits us up that we need to be praying more. Now, I've been where you are, and I don't want to guilt anyone into doing that because I want to confess to you and share with you this morning that I'm not a particularly strong prayer. My mind wanders and it goes all over the place. So I have had to set in my routine, in my schedule, some things that help me. 
that help me with the discipline. I'll share a few with what they are. I'd love to hear what yours are. Every morning, I've shared with you before, before my feet hit the ground beside my bed, I simply pray, Heavenly Father, here I am, use me. In this day ahead, I'm yours. I submit myself to you. Whatever it is, Lord, I'm, I'm living for you today. It's as simple as that. Uh, every day at the moment, I'm writing out longhand the book of Acts. Uh, I'm writing it out uh, longhand. Stu Cameron from Wesley Mission uh, posted something. I thought, Stu, I'm going to steal that. So he and I have been working our way through the book of, of Acts, writing it out longhand. It takes a long time. I only get through a paragraph or two each morning. And then I go back and underline some key words. And then I pray on those key words that jumped out to me. That's my little daily routine. I'd love to hear what yours is. Every week, Brody and I get together with some very faithful saints every Tuesday morning, and we pray together. We pray for you. We pray for each other. We pray for our church. We pray for our nation. We pray for our world. It's a little discipline that I have built into my calendar every week. This week and Wednesday, Brody and I will be praying with the other churches in the eastern suburbs. Every month we do this. It's in the calendar. It's set. Now, I don't know if you work like that. I'm the sort of person for whom that stuff is helpful. If it's not for you, then I'd be, I'd be keen to know what your program is, how you make sure that you're making time for God in prayer. There's some of the things that I do. Let me know yours. I'd be keen to hear what they are. The decree comes down that he can't pray. The rival satraps, all the rival governors can't stand the fact that Daniel is praying in public. Note there's nothing in his character that says he's ridden roughshod over them on his way to the top, right? He's not like some businessman or some politician that's trampling down others. He's a man of integrity. They try to dig up a dirt file on him, but they can't. It did make me wonder, I'm not sure about you, but... On the way through when you were reading it, did you think, gee, if anyone ever tried to find some dirt on me, what would they find? Now, Carly has barred me from ever entering politics, right? But I have wondered, it's hard enough being a minister's wife, let alone being a politician's wife. So I did wonder, though, if ever I was in a position where people found it advantageous to find some dirt on me, what would they find? What would they find on, on you? Now, again, I don't want to guilt you into, you know, just making sure you're living squeakily clean, but it is, is a good life lesson there, isn't it? And, and the way, the little challenge that I would have for you in this regard is to be like Daniel in, in order to not be able to have anything found against him, wasn't corrupt or negligent at all. You know, are your words and actions in private, are they the same as they are in public? That's always a good little test uh, for you as you go through. Are your words and actions in private, are they the same as when other people are around? They try to dig up some dirt on him. They can't find any dirt on this guy, so they use the one thing against him that they know that he's guilty of, and that is of praying to his God. Daniel's dependability in prayer, the way that he built it into his calendar, into his day, is the only way that they can bring him down. So they manipulate the king and get him to pass this decree that if anyone prays to anyone other than the king himself into the lion's den, you go. And, of course, Daniel defies this decree. Now, this is really Daniel not just making sure that he has his daily quiet time. This is actually a very public protest when you think about it. This is Daniel actually saying, you know what, king? There's some laws here that even you don't get to decree. 
It's Daniel's way of protesting against essentially a government overreach. Uh, it's a way of Daniel saying, you know what, there's some stuff that isn't in your purview, king. Friend, did you know that it's not really any government, any parliament, any president, any prime minister, any emperor, any king, it's really not within their purview to tell you how and when and with whom you can pray or with whom you can worship your God. That is really not a thing. You do well to remember that this past year or so. Magna Carta, the very foundation of law for all the English-speaking peoples of the world, the very first clause says that the church... Uh, shall have its, have its right uh, to, to worship and, and to meet, that it can't, be, that it can't be, be nullified. It's the very first uh, creed there in, in Magna Carta. It says the church in that point in time was the Church of England. Well, in that time it was actually would have been uh, the Catholic Church, um, that she can't have her rights and liberties, that they are inviolable. Now, don't get me wrong. Paul is very clear in Romans 13 that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to obey the authorities that God has placed over us. He says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Like Daniel, Christians have a long and proud history of serving the city around them, of being known as people who are valuable and who are contributing to society. We are called to do that. But know that there are some things that are not within any government's jurisdiction. And Daniel is wanting to point that out. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, a wonderful English Baptist preacher, said this in relation to Daniel. He said that Daniel knew that it is the duty of every citizen to disregard every law of earth that is contrary to the law of heaven. So Daniel felt that whatever he owed to his temporal sovereign... He owed to his God yet a vast deal more. So it's more than just Daniel having his quiet time. This is a very public protest from Daniel. Also think it was probably a great encouragement to the other Hebrews, wasn't it? He was out there and he was saying, I'm not going to bow down. I'm not going to let myself be, to be dictated to in my prayer life. How about the rest of you? I reckon the other Jews would have been looking to Daniel and they would have been encouraged by him. So again, let me ask you as we go through this story, how have you been encouraging your brothers and sisters in Christ lately? Are you someone who is an encouragement to your brothers and sisters in Christ? It doesn't have to be a great, courageous act like this from Daniel. It can be something as simple as a text message, a phone call. A letter. People used to write letters on paper, right, and send them in the mail. You can still do that, apparently, right? So you can still do little things like that, a little word of of encouragement, something. Friends, your presence here today is an encouragement. I don't know about you. We've got a full theatre here this morning. Isn't that encouraging? Your presence here I find encouraging, and your presence here I reckon the rest of us find encouraging. Simply turning up to worship these days is an act of defiance, isn't it? We're saying we're going to push back against the pressures of our working week. That church is a non-negotiable. That our our coming together for our corporate worship is something which I'm going to prioritise. Now, of course, there's always going to be times when we can't be here on a Sunday morning. But I reckon most of the time, for most people, Sunday morning's got to be a priority in our week that it's really a non-negotiable 
that unless something really special comes up, we're going to be here alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ, if only to be able to encourage each other with our mere presence, with our, with our words and actions. So Daniel is making a very, a very public declaration here. Of course, he is, uh, he is caught out, uh, he, he's found, and we all know uh, the story. Uh, he, is, he is thrown into uh, the lion's den. Despite the threats, despite it all, he said, no, I'm not going to be fearful of man. Uh, remember, we're told uh, that, uh, that you know, we aren't to be fearful of what man can do to us, not to fear man, but to fear God. Uh, and remember, Jesus also says that he who, you know, and if you're ashamed of me, uh, in, in the presence of other people, then my Father in heaven will be ashamed of you when your time comes. So Daniel is, is being uh, very bold and very courageous. He's publicly saying that the God of Abraham and Isaac of Jacob is, is the one true God. It's a real finger in the eye of all the other pantheon of gods because that's what the satraps are really angry about. Still today in modern pluralist Australia, you can still have your faith in God, but keep it private, will you? Keep it behind closed doors. Just don't, don't bring it out into the public square. That's when you get into trouble, and that's what happened to Daniel here. Just this past week, one of my favourite podcasters and authors, Eric Metaxas, was cancelled for saying politically incorrect things about his God. I've actually recommended some books here to you at Church in the Marketplace. Some of my favourite books, he's done wonderful biographies on Martin Luther and Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He has, in effect, been erased from the public square. YouTube has said, no more. And so you can't find his videos anymore. They're just gone. 2021, an Orthodox Christian can no longer be found in that public square known as YouTube. It's scary stuff, I reckon. This is real. This is happening. Look it up. Another story comes out every day. Daniel is faced with more than simply a YouTube ban. He's thrown into the lion's den. We all know the story. Thrown into the lion's den. The king really loved Daniel, tried to save him, but what's written is written. And so in he goes and a stone is placed over the entrance. Is that ringing a few bells for you guys? You know where I'm going with this, don't you? We know the, the story. He's miraculously saved that night. God sent an angel to close the lion's mouths and the next day he emerges unscathed. And the story ends with, uh, with King Darius actually singing God's praises. Because of Daniel's courageous witness, King Darius actually ends up singing God's praises. That's, how, where, the, that's where the story ends. And I encourage you to think, however, as Daniel as a bit of a, a Christ Prototype. Remember I said last week, we're lots of little echoes of Jesus in the Old Testament. It's hard not to see them. Like this stone being rolled over the entrance, uh, so too think of Jesus' willingness to go to his death and have a stone placed over his tomb. It ends well for, for Daniel, doesn't it? And I hate you to go away from this story thinking that if I have faith in God, nothing bad will ever happen to me. Clearly, that is not the case. Think of Christian history in the, in the Roman day. Again, thrown to the lions in their colosseums, in their amphitheaters, for refusing to bow the knee, for refusing to acknowledge Caesar as Lord, for refusing to recant that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but by him. They willingly went 
to their death rather than recant their faith. Just like Jesus has indeed gone to his death for you in order that you might live. Or throughout the Old Testament, lions are sort of a symbol of the chaos and destructive power of the earth following the fall. And we know that 1 Peter 5 verse 8 tells us that your enemy, the the devil, roams the earth roaring like a lion looking for, for someone to devour. But praise God, we have one, the Lion of Judah, who has defeated death, amen. He has conquered death. Where, O grave, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? In Jesus Christ, the Lion of Judah, he has willingly gone to death, regardless of what the worldly authorities might do to him, regardless of whatever trumped-up earthly charges they could bring against him. He willingly went to his death for you, so in order that you might live. Although these bodies will one, indeed one day break down and our bones will one day indeed be, be crushed. If we are found in Christ, the Lion of Judah, we too can share in his resurrection. We too can share in the abundant, eternal resurrection life that he promises. Can I encourage you, each one of us, young or old, to finish well? Daniel ran to the finishing line on his walking frame as an 80-year-old guy to the tape, prepared to finish well, having run his race, arms raised in victory. Are you going to finish well? That's my challenge. If you are a young person, resolve now to finish well. I'm sure you all know people who have finished well. I'm getting to know some of the wonderful saints who are finishing well here at church in the marketplace. They're running their race. They're running the path that they've been called to, to the very end. Be inspired by those older folk that are still serving, still loving, still giving of themselves, just like Daniel was here. I'm sure we've all met older people who have become a little bit cranky and bitter in their old age. I resolved long ago that I wanted to finish well. I'll leave you with a story about a wonderful... uh, inspirational man in my life. His name was Ivor Gallen, a wonderful uh, chairperson of our church council back in Jerringong. He ran to the very end. I had the uh, wonderful honour of uh, preaching at his, at his funeral. And I was able to declare that Ivor finished well, encouraging to the end, generous to the end, Christ-like to the very end, no matter what. Can I encourage you all, regardless of where you are on your journey, to finish well, to be indefatigable, unswerving in your commitment to God. Can I encourage you to say, to resolve today, that saying, no matter what, even if I'm thrown to the lions, I will not swerve, I will not bow down to anyone other than the Lord my God, the creator of heaven and earth. I'll be a follower of Jesus to the very end of my days. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do need your help in this task of finishing well. It can be difficult. There are many obstacles placed in our path today. Many siren songs of popular culture drawing us away, luring us away, tempting us to dilute our faith, to to just go with the flow. So we need your help to be like Daniel that when the lions roar, Father, we will remain resolute. 
Help us to know that we are indeed called to serve and to love those around us, to build the city around us, to be dependable, to be faithful, but to also know that we answer to a higher authority. We pray for your help this week in following you, in hearing your voice, and being bold and courageous in encouraging those around us this week. May we publicly declare our faith in the public square this week for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.